Are you ready? It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Cheers, everyone. It's post-Masters week. (laughs) It is. And uh, we've got a great show for you tonight. RBC Heritage is going to be fun this week. We've got our wide receiver preview. What else did we have on the docket tonight, Tom? Oh, a little UFC preview for this weekend, right? Yes, got a little UFC preview. Um, we're going to play a little Who Am I? All right. Is this a draft prospect we're going to play It is with? not. It's not? Okay. We'll get to that in a minute. All right. Tom caught me off guard with this one. I saw it on the agenda that we were going to play Who Am I, but I don't know any of the details of it. So you guys are... Uh, you're gonna experience me on the hot seat here, yeah. true fashion. So, um, and our rookie rankings. We're doing our top 15 wide receivers. Quite a few of them. Yeah, should be fun. First, let's start talking about. Uh, let's do a little bragging, Tom. You want to brag a little? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, last week, if you listened to the podcast on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, uh, we gave out Hideki Matsuyama. To win, Tom gave out Hideki at plus 4,500. Yes. I gave out Will Zalatoris. You guys, where did those guys finish, Tom? Uh, I do believe first and second. First and second. We talked last week on the podcast about how you can go anywhere and see people picking Dustin Johnson and John Rahm and Jordan Rory Spieth. And, and Rory. And Rory and all the names that you want to hear out there. But you don't hear everybody picking the players that finished first and second on their podcast as plays. And as you guys know, we always say, play them to win and play them top five. You yeah. made out very well last weekend if you did that. Absolutely. So, guys, I'm telling you, we know what we're doing with this golf stuff. That is, our, I believe, our fourth outright winner this year. It's pretty crazy. That we've chosen since January in golf, probably averaging like – plus 4,000 or better, that's 40 to 1 on golf wagers that we've given out four times. Yeah. It's insane. And, you know, it's a run that you can't really expect. Just like you couldn't expect to call the perfect score in the Super Bowl two years ago. These are things that, you know, we know what we're talking about, guys. You know, sometimes we may miss as everybody's going to, but we give out a lot. A lot of big winners here. Yeah, big winners. Not not just the, you know, play this game or play that game, uh, get your minus 110. No, your plus 4,500 winner of the Masters. And weeks prior, we had the Patrick Reed winner. Uh, we've had a couple other ones. I had Tony Finau finish second on me. Um, it's, been, it's been a really, really good finish run. Se- he finished second on you? Yeah, right on me. Terrible. Lucky boy. All right. Let's get started with the podcast tonight. What order do you want to go in, Tom? Let's keep the golf train going and talk about the RBC Heritage. Uh, the Heritage uh, was not played last year due to the pandemic. A lot of wind. Yeah. The Heritage. A lot of small greens. That's all I keep saying. Wind and greens. Well, the, the key to the golf course is truly your ability to drive the ball well 
and not only hit the fairway, but hit the correct side of the fairway yeah. so that you have a good angle. It's a true shot maker's golf course. Very rarely do you see the bombers winning this event. You see guys who are placing the ball well in the fairway. Uh, hence, your winner in 2019, Webb Simpson, and your winner in 2018, C.T. Pan. These are guys that hit the ball straight, and they play positional golf, and then they're able to finish on the greens. So yeah, I'm... Uh, you know, you know the, the theory that we're going to go with this week, and I think I've identified some guys who are going to be in contention come Sunday. Um, so I'll jump right in, Tom, with, with my first play. I have Corey Connors, plus 3,500. Not only is he an accurate driver of the golf ball, but he's playing very well right now as well. So plus 3,500 on Corey Connors feels like a good price, uh, feels like somebody who's primed to have one of these nice breakout wins. Um You've got Dustin Johnson favorite at plus 1,200. The way he played last week and his style of play anyways doesn't really seem to – it doesn't do anything for me to, to play Dustin Johnson this week. So, yeah. again, we're going to find some prices here. Plus 3,500, Corey Connors. All right, I'm going to start with my bigger swing of the week. It's Charlie Hoffman. Charlie Hoffman at plus 5,000 yeah. has uh, finished in the top 10 multiple times at this course. It seems to really suit him with the – shot making ability yeah he's um, a ball striker and then i'll roll right into my other one this one's a little shorter i got patrick cantley at eight plus 1800 um guys in the top 10 and in his career he has three career starts at harbor town and he is tied for third tied for seventh tied for third yeah sounds like he's due clearly likes the golf course uh my next play is another guy who hits it straight doesn't hit it long um but at plus five thousand fifty five hundred, uh kevin kisner uh, this is a guy who, you know, again, he's playing fairly well right now. He's he's finding a way around the golf courses, and this place suits him well. So uh, Kevin Kisner at plus 5,500. My big swing of the week at plus 9,000. Brendan Todd, one of the straightest drivers of the golf ball on tour. He had a really nice run a couple of years ago um, where he was creeping towards the top 10. Uh, this is a, a player that I think has a great chance to win. He hasn't been in great form lately. But sometimes seeing a different style of course and something that really suits your eye is all the difference that you need. So to recap, we've got Tom giving out Charlie Hoffman and Patrick Cantlay. Uh, myself, I am on Corey Connors, Kevin Kisner, and Brendan Todd. All right. Good stuff, guys. Get on them. Yeah. Make your small $5 wagers, guys. Invest $25 this week. In those five players, oh, you've got you've got another play too. Yeah, I do. Um, Brian Harmon at plus thirty five hundred, another one who is a ball striker who's going to be putting it around the pin. Um, the small greens are definitely something you want to be aware of this week. Yeah. So, absolutely. So, um, Brian Harmon also on your ticket. So thirty dollars, thirty dollars worth of plays, and uh, I think that you know you have an opportunity to to cash some tickets here. Let's move forward, Tom. Let's let's uh let's play a little. Who am I? Okay. You ready? Yeah. All right. So we're gonna Elton John. Yep. Okay. You got it. All right. Nailed it. Rocket Man right off the bat. <laughs> um. So this one is a. Uh, hold on. I gotta write this down. This Who Am I was brought up by a topic I saw kind of kicked around the last couple of days and it is based on is julian edelman a hall of famer julian edelman retiring 
Sure. Um, having some some solid numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, is he a Hall of Famer? So he is going to be in this mix. Okay. He's one of the uh, few people we'll put in here. Okay. There's. I got one, two, three. Move him out, and then. So there's four of them all together. Okay. Four wide receivers. We're gonna go through. I'll pick them one at a time, and you, you will figure out which one's Edelman. Okay. And see if you can guess the other ones. Okay. It's a little different, but I think it's a little fun based on the. Okay. All right, let's do let's this. Let's do it. Flying blind. Flying real blind. I, I think this is going to be hilarious. All right, let's all get started. Let's do it. So, I just got to bring up all his, all their stuff. All right. Let's start with number one. Woo. 920 career receptions. For 13,382 yards and 74 receiving touchdowns. I was a Super Bowl champion. I was a first-team All-Pro, seven times Pro Bowler. I led the NFL in receiving um, in receptions and twice led the NFL in receiving yards. That's the first. Who am I? Okay. 900 plus receptions, 13,000 plus receiving yards. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's sizable. Averaged over 14 yards a catch for his career. So, somebody who could get downfield. Uh, I'm not expecting a possession type receiver here. 74 touchdowns. That's a significant amount of touchdowns. Yeah. One time yes. all pro? That, that's it. Just one time. One time all? all yeah. How do you get one time all pro, but you led the NFL receiving yards twice? Yeah. Active? Not active, no. Okay. All right. So, um, did this player ever play for the Dallas Cowboys? No. All right. Eliminated some names that were in my mind here. No longer active player. 74 touchdowns. That's a lot of touchdowns. Did they play for multiple teams in their career? Yes, uh, but they're really known for being with one team. They played a co- with a couple at the end that okay. are not memorable. All right. So, primary career in the NFC or AFC? NFC. NFC. Primarily an NFC receiver. Let me run through some stuff in my head here. Um, I'm going to find something here. I can. Isaac Bruce. No. Tory Holt. Tory Holt is correct. Yes. That was pretty good, Kev. Thanks. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Just, yeah. Tory Holt, who is not in the NFL Hall of Fame. Has the 10th most receiving yards in six consecutive seasons with 1,300 yards. Yeah. That's damn good. Right. He was a first-round pick. Pick number six, by the way, out of NC State. Yeah. Turned out all right. Finished finished career in Baltimore, maybe? He played for the Rams for forever, 
one year in Jacksonville and then was signed by the Patriots and then retired in the uh, oh. bef- in the preseason. All right. Let's go up. Who's next, Tom? Let's, let's see do if we it. Can, let's see if we can get it again. All right. Let's do some numbers. I have 1,000 career receptions on the button. All right. 12,083 receiving yards. 12,083 yards per reception. 85 career touchdowns. I mean, multiple times Super Bowl champion. Four times the Pro Bowl. Wes Welker. No. Man, you think he has a thousand receptions? I don't know. He had a <laughs> ton of receptions for That's a few true. years there. And a, I'll hold on to that one if you need it. I'll give you that hint, but I think it helps too much. AFC or NFC? AFC. AFC. Uh, this person played one with one team their whole career. One team their entire career. Okay. By the way, one of only eleven players to have at least a thousand career receptions. Okay. Heinz Ward. Yeah, you got it right away. Bang. I was holding back the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. All right, that one was too easy. I didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) And a tenacious blocker, by the way. Yeah. Absolutely brutal. All right. I have quarterback s- coming out of Georgia. It's <laughs> 620 career receptions. 6,822 receiving yards career. 36 receiving. Julian Edelman. Yeah, 36 yeah. receiving. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I didn't even get to finish. <laughs> All right. Last one. may be the most difficult one for you. All right. I have 764 career receptions, 9,995 career yards, 49 receiving touchdowns in my career. Mm-hmm. I was a three-times pro bowler, two-times second-team all-pro. Okay. Who am I? 760 for 9,900 yards. Is that right? Yep. All right. This is somebody that specialized in the shorter routes, I would I would have to presume, because that yards per catch is pretty low. Ah, it's, yeah. Not too bad, but... Uh, 13 on the bunny. 13 yards average for the yeah. career. And then, uh, how many career touchdowns? 40-something? 49. 49. Super Bowl champion? Nope. Oh. Predominantly a career in the NFC or AFC? All in the AFC. Th- uh, three separate teams. Same thing. Um, most of the career with one team predominantly, two teams towards the end. Okay. AFC receiver. Forty-nine career touchdowns. Active? No. No Super Bowls. No Super Bowls. Active in the last five years. No. Their last uh, season was 2007. Okay. So we're going back a little ways now. 
scroll it back a little bit in your mind here, Kev. <coughs> they were a first-round pick, mm -hmm. and they were first-team All-SEC. First-team All-SEC. First-round selection. Playing in the SEC. That eliminates some people in my mind. Let's see. I'm definitely struggling more with this one. Yeah. This is challenging because it's like a, a middling career, not. Yeah, it's a solid career. Not Just, tremendous, yeah. but. A very solid career. More than 10 seasons in the NFL had to be, right? 12 or 12 yeah. or 15, somewhere in there. Long career. Let's see. AFC. Primarily in the, in the AFC West? No. No. Mm. That hurts. Thought you were onto one, huh? Yeah, a little bit. It's not going to be a Houston Texan. They weren't really around. Let's see. Marvin Harrison did more than that. It's not Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison did more than also that. Also went to Syracuse. Yeah, that's true. Very true. I knew this one would be the hardest one of all of them, so I waited for the end. I don't know where Keenan McCardo went to college. It's not him. Hmm. <laughs> trying to see if I can find another tidbit. I'll, I'll give you his college. I'm not even sure it'll help. Yeah. Honestly, Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Mississippi State, and I, I mean, I, I'm not a 90s SEC aficionado for sure. I mean, I, no. I started following it then, but not nearly as closely as I did in the early, late 90s and early 2000s. 93 is when I picked up following Auburn. So oh, you know this guy. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Mississippi State, AFC. Eric Moulds? 100%. Eric Moulds. Four for four, Kev. That's pretty good. I figured it out after you said Mississippi State. I yeah. remembered Eric Moulds playing for Mississippi State. Yeah, so you stack all those guys up. It's an interesting argument whether or not Edelman belongs in there because what it doesn't have in there is some of his postseason. Yeah, I, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I, I really don't. I mean, I think that you have to accomplish more than that in the regular season. Yeah. Um, you know, playing great in, in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl it's is awesome. Awesome, it is. He's had memorable moments throughout the course of his career, but to put him amongst the greatest receivers of all time, he doesn't fit. Wes Welker was a better receiver for a short period of time and in uh, New England doing the same role as, as yeah. Edelman. Um, you know, it's just... And a more likable. <laughs> Julian Edelman, it's, there are a lot of people that are not fans here and the AFC, I mean, AFC East, I mean, it's, yeah. it's tough to root for the guy. So, um, 
Yeah, that was fun though. I mean, I, I we should we should, I don't know why we got away from that because that was a lot of fun uh, before. You yeah. know, when we I think we, we just throw it in once in a while. Yeah, we'll challenge each other, bring it back. I just I saw the Julian Edelman. I saw an article with some of these guys who have either like better. Well, all of them had better stats, and none of them are in there. It's, it was just kind of interesting. I was like, yeah, this would be fun for that. So wide receivers is one that you know you feel like you can figure it out with with enough opportunities. You know, and yeah, you know, a couple of them I got pretty quick. Heinz uh, Ward was ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even finish reading stuff. Yeah, the two. <laughs> yeah, it was garbage. <laughs> so. All right. Um, what do we have next on the docket, Tom? Are we going to do UFC first? Yeah, let's talk a little UFC. Um, uh-huh. UFC fight night this weekend. We got the main event, Robert Whitaker versus Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, I love that main event. Yeah. I think if, if nothing else, that's going to be a blast. These guys, they, they've been scheduled to fight before. Yes. Uh, on a couple of occasions, it seems, right? Yeah, once a, a while ago and then once recently that didn't happen. Yeah. So, oh man, there were some crazy good fights on the twenty fourth. Yeah, don't get ahead of ourselves. I know, don't get ahead of ourselves. But yes, next week we'll have a very interesting UFC to go over. All right, let me uh, let me pull back here, take a look at the odds on some of these fights. I mean, the thing is with Gasolum and uh, Whitaker, you've got two guys that are both great strikers. They're both, you know, kind of proficient boxers. Yeah. Which should make for a really fun fight to watch. So I'm uh, definitely looking forward to it. On the card, there are a couple other fights that, that could draw some attention. You know, Drakkar Close against Jeremy Stevens. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. I, I'm really interested in Drakkar Close. Um, you know, his career's been good in, so far, and I just want to see him keep going and Jeremy yeah. Stevens will test you. That's for dang sure. No doubt. That's a fight that I'll be betting on Drakkar close because I think Jeremy Stevens has been around and battle tested and all those things. But um, you know, I, I like the younger guy, the the guy who doesn't have as many miles on yeah. the vehicle. So um, Bartosz Fabinski is favored favored against Gerald Mearshart. Um, also, should be a, a pretty good fight between these guys. Um, any fights that really stood out to you on this card? I mean, Chase Sherman, Chase Sherman, and Andre yeah. Arlovsky. The Vanilla Gorilla, yeah. Chase Sherman's fighting the pit bull. Yeah. Um, th- this is the perfect kind of fight for Chase Sherman. We're, we haven't figured out him out yet. Is he a real prospect? Or is he a, just a guy? Um, Andre Arlovsky has been winning fights. He's a test and, for anyone. And he's favored now. Uh, he's been an underdog for a while, yeah. and now he's favored at minus one thirty. It's time to jump. It's time to jump ship. I think and, and go gorilla. back over to Chase Sherman. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, uh, looking at just the some of the fight stuff here, uh, Sherman's going to be bigger. He's going to weigh more. He's going to be an inch taller. He's going to have a couple inches in the reach advantage. Um, put the put that. He's probably a little hungrier than Arlovsky. I feel like. Every couple of fights, Arlovsky gives a half-hearted effort lately, so right. he might be due for one. And then uh, we've got, let's see, what is it? Uh, at the 145, um, you've got Bill Algio, uh, who's a submissions guy, um, and he's taking on Ricardo Ramos. Uh, so, you know, this is kind of like one of those under-the-radar type of fights. Uh, Ricardo Ramos... He is uh, fourteen and three. 
Phil Algio, I think, is fourteen and five or fourteen and six. Algio is is again, he's a he's a submissions expert. Um, you've got uh, Ramos coming in off a loss to Leron Murphy. He got knocked out in the first round. I don't know if you remember that fight, Tom. That was a UFC fight night not that long ago. Um, but he was favored going into the fight. And, you know, he's got he's got a solid record, like I said, 14-3, and three, fighting at this 145. He's, you know, should be really enjoyable to, to see if he can take the next step or if he ends up getting caught. He hasn't, I don't see, he does not have a submission loss. Oh, yes, he does. He got uh, rear naked choked by an undefeated dude, um, Manny Vasquez, back in yeah, 2016. So... I guess there is some vulnerability there, but he also has some uh, finishes with uh, spinning back elbow finish, a um, couple of rear naked choke wins, um, arm bars, triangles, rear naked, arm bar. So I think we could see a fun kind of grappling exchange between these two. Um, other UFC news, our boy Gregor got another fight lined up. He did. Yes, on the May 8th fight night he'll be fighting Diego Fiera um, looks like the Brad Riddell one has just kind of fallen to the wayside this uh, should be on the main card of the Corey Sanhagen TJ Dillashaw main event there so uh, yeah. something to look forward to a few weeks away and uh, Diego Fajeda he's, he's no joke either Yeah, um, 17 and 3 uh, with wins over Anthony Pettis uh, Rustam Habalov, Kyle Nelson, Jared Gordon. Um, his last fight, he lost a split decision to Benil Dariush. And yeah. Dariush is, you know, stepping up big in competition. Um, Dariush is, has beat him twice and kind of shown the way to beat him was to wrestle him. Yes. So let's see if Gregor can take advantage of that. And this is giving Fajeda the opportunity to fight somebody. You know, Fajeda has great submission game. He's got seven submissions in his career. He's not a big threat on the feet, not a, yep. not a real big threat on the feet. So, you know, Gregor's got to kind of pick his like poison. Can he control him on the ground? Um, does he think he can knock him out? So I'm I'm excited to kind of see this one. This should be a lot of fun. And, and uh, I, they are going to fight at 155. Yeah, 155, yeah. And we were uh, – do we want to preview the 24th? Do we want to just talk about it for a half a second? Um, let's let's just glance over it. Yeah, let's just talk about the three. I mean, uh, we're they're rolling out another three championship fight, um, pay per view on the twenty fourth. Um, Usman versus Masvidal, which is just crazy that they got that together. Yeah. Um, Yo, Rose Namajunas against Weili Zhang, yep. and uh, Jessica Andrade against Valentina Shevchenko, and then you also get uh, Chris Weidman and Uriah Hall. Yes. Anthony Smith against Jimmy Crute. <laughs> yeah, the main card is stacked. Carl Roberson uh, against Brendan Allen. There's plenty to be excited about on that card. Alex Oliveira and Randy Brown are throwing down. That yeah. should be a blast. Um, and stay tuned because that is the day, the, the night of our mock draft, which again, the 24th that afternoon, we'll be doing Two our mock Yep. We'll be doing our mock draft. It's going to lead right into more cocktails and some fist fights. So yeah, we're going to be having a great old time at the Hammered Sports Lounge that day. Yes. So um, mock draft. We should wrap up the mock draft by four, I would think, somewhere in there. And then you're going to have your prelim fights starting shortly thereafter. Five forty-five. They're scheduled for as of now. Yeah. 
So uh, what a day. What, what a day, day for, for us. Sure. I can't wait. And we'll definitely have some more insight on those fights next uh, next week. Yeah, we'll, we'll make some picks. Um, oh, yes. And, uh, you know, we'll, we can add it right into our uh, – yeah, we'll, we'll add it right into next week's episode, and then we'll give a reminder at the end of our live broadcast as well of some of our picks. So yeah, um, hopefully those of you that, that jump on the live stream will, will have an opportunity to jump on some of those wagers as well. So uh, we're going to take a quick break now, and then when we come back, we are going to give you the top 15 wide receivers as we see them in the upcoming NFL draft, which is – a mere uh, less than two weeks away. No, ju- two weeks and one day away. Yeah, Fifteen days away. Cannot wait. I can imagine. We'll all be your home. picks, you bum. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. All right. And before we get back into it, just a quick thanks uh, to our buddy uh, Tom over at Lion Global for all the work that he does for us. Uh, those guys are the best at what they do. If you're local, not local, it doesn't matter, lionglobal.com, L-Y-O-N-G-L-O-B-A-L.com. Those guys can help you out. Any website, digital marketing, uh, he finds ways to help businesses succeed. So if you have a small business and you're looking for some help, visit lionglobal.com. Now, Tom, let's talk wide receivers in this draft class. Yes, um, let's chat about the class, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's a big three. Everyone has the same big three pretty much, just what order and uh, all that good stuff. And then after that, I think there's a lot of guys that can do some things for you. I'm just not sure that there's a lot of really complete packages out there. There's Absolutely, and that's what this draft class This is about specialist receivers more than anything else. Either, either they're one thing or another. Yeah. Uh, they're not well-rounded. Last year's draft class, I think, had five or six guys that could do pretty much everything, get down the field, run routes well, uh, good speed and explosiveness. So um, this class I don't think has quite the same depth to it at the top end, but I think you have plenty of great contributors uh, to add to complement the other receivers you have right now, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. That does not make this a bad draft class. It makes it a little different draft class because there are a lot of guys who are really good at what they do as far as their specialized their specialized skill. Yeah, and I don't know Kevin's list of his fifteen, but I think the combination of us doing all the way to fifteen uh, it adds a few more guys in there. But also, I think the what do you like in a wide receiver becomes a big factor in this this time around because yeah. there's probably twenty five guys who are gonna go and. You know, how are you stacking these 25 guys? It's going to be a lot different. So I'm excited to see how many. We already have discovered one that we have differently. So, Yeah, and I'll jump right in, Tom, and do my first one here. Do it up. Um, and this is a guy who specializes in a few in a few things, and he's higher on a lot of people's list than this because he's really good at those things, but not mine. Uh, Rondale Moore from Purdue at number 15. Uh, Rondale Moore is a fast guy. He's four, he runs 4-3-1 in the 40. Um he is, however, five foot seven, 181 pounds. Um, he, he has good athleticism, 10 foot six in the broad jump, you know, six six eight three cone, four ten short shuttle. So he's um, he's an athlete, right? He finds a way to uh, create openings because of his explosiveness, 
uh, not necessarily refined route running or being very clean, right? He, he's uh, great after the ball, after he catches the ball. And uh, he also has some injury issues. That's what pushed him down here. He's 5'7". He's a playmaker, not really what I would call a wide receiver. He's going to play in the slot. He's probably going to take some jet sweeps and things like that. They may even find ways to get him the ball coming out of the backfield. Um, everything really comes on uh, after the catch stuff for him. He doesn't have the downfield targeting stuff in his game at all. So I think that you know he can he can certainly play the slot in the NFL and he could be really good at it. But that's all he's going to be at the next level. Um, I guess if you were going to give a comparison, maybe like a Percy Harvin type player, and but he doesn't have the deep ball ability that Harvin had, even at a smaller stature like Harvin had. So if he can develop some of that, I don't know really how well he tracks the deep ball or anything because most of his targets were short targets because they just wanted to find a way to get the ball in his hands quickly. So uh, Rondale Moore at 15 for me. All right. Might need help with this last name, but at number 15 I have Josh. Amator baby. Amator baby, yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like this uh, guy more than I felt I was going to watching him. Guess who I had at 16 on my list? Josh? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's solid. Yeah. Um, you'll see a trend here as we're going through this list. Uh, a lot of these guys are vertically challenged. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of very big wide receivers in this group. Um, Josh is 6'1". He's got a little bit of a height to him. Ran a 4'4", 8'40". See, um, a couple of things I liked about him. Um, his vertical leap. Uh, what do you? What, what a set of combine record. Forty six and a half. Six and a half inches. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so it would have been the biggest forty ever. Um, so fast, can jump, good size. This is the the knocks on him though. Are he he's kind of basic uh, in his route running. He's got a little. He's got a lot to learn about the position. But with those athletic traits of his size, his speed, his ability to jump out of the world, um, those things can be overcome and taught. So he's down here at 15. Um, at 14, I have Cade Johnson um, out of South Dakota State, Richard Sr., 6 feet, 194, 449, 40. Uh, and with Cade, a couple things that are great. He is amazing at catching the ball, does not have many drops. Um, pro football focus actually had him as the highest graded wide receiver at the senior bowl in individual drills. Um, this is another one of these guys that we're going to see over and over again. He's a smaller frame, um, but again, speed does not drop the ball. Only a 5% drop rate in his career in, in college and very good at shaking loose and man to man coverage. All right. Number 14 for me, 2 2 Atwell from Louisville. Uh, five, eight and a half, 155 pounds. Um, four three five forty, so small and slender. It's a very concerning thing for him at the next level. But he's going to be a home run hitting deep ball type guy. Um, he doesn't really have the the rack game that you'd want because he can't break tackles at one hundred and fifty five pounds. No, and you don't want him really running across the middle. I have a good comparison so, for this guy, by the way. Yeah, who? Roscoe Parrish. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So fast. Yeah. He gets a step. See ya. He's going to have a, a situational role in the NFL, but I don't see him as somebody who's going to play a big part on a team. And, um, you know, I, I think that he's he's about where I'm slotting him here at 14. Um, at 13, Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, 
he is he was really productive in 2019 77 catches for a thousand yards uh didn't get as many touchdowns as you might hope he's 5'11 197 so not super small but um he's also not super fast at 459 <laughs> <laughs> so he's not big he's not fast but he is he's quick you're really he, selling he, me on him he does have some quickness and um, he's one of the more polished route runners in the entire class. Um, he finds space in zones. He does a really good job of uh, catching the ball when it comes his way. So he was also a leader on that on that USC team, uh, team captain. Um, you know, th- he's a guy who he was productive throughout his career, always finding ways to get open. He's not going to blow you away. He's not going to be a superstar. Um, but he's going to be a productive, not even necessarily productive, but he's going to make a roster. He's going to yeah. he's going to fill a role for someone. Um, I like Amon Ross St. Brown at 13. Yeah, I had Amon St. Brown at 15 for a while, and I put Josh up just, just I think, the athleticism, the athleticism yeah. trump. So Amon St. Brown has the production in college. Josh has the athleticism. I think a lot of times those guys are going to translate once they get to the NFL and get some real NFL coaching yeah. and can take them up a lot uh so my 13 is jalen darden uh, a senior out of north texas it's another guy another small one 58 174 uh so he is amazing at running routes fast cuts like a crazy on a dime um, one of the big things that is going to be his downfall this is another guy who probably only be in the slot in the nfl um, he has zero contested catches in his college career. He either ran away from people, got the ball, um, or he didn't. Um, so is he going to be able to win with athleticism alone like he did in North Texas, or is he going to be able to kind of define some of that when he moves up? Yeah. Uh, 12, Dax Milne from BYU. Junior, 6'1", 195. This is somebody that I really started to enjoy while I was watching Zach Wilson. Um uh, this is someone who is good at contested catches. Actually, caught sixty percent of them in his career. Um, not a super fast guy for the NFL. Ran a four-five-four, but he's going to be somebody who finds ways to get open. Um, is just available and sure-handed. By the way, yeah. All right, number twelve for me, Diami Brown from UNC. Uh, this is my first receiver over six feet. Um, and he's six. <laughs> Six feet, just over six feet tall. Uh, 189. He runs a 44440. Um, 35 <laughs> and a half inch vertical. Um, good athlete, plenty of speed. And he averaged 20.3 yards per reception in 2019 and 20 yards even per reception in 2020. Um, 21 career touchdown receptions. Uh, first team all SEC guy, led the ACC in receiving yards this year. I think that he has the opportunity to move to the next level and be productive at the next level. I don't see him as a Pro Bowl caliber receiver, um, but I think he has some big playability, and uh, he has a nose for finding the end zone too. So that combination has Deami Brown at uh, number 12 for me. And at number 11, I have a big receiver finally. 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 Simi Fajoko, uh, 6'3", almost 6'4", 222. He uh, went to Stanford, um, 
he averaged 23.6 yards per reception in 2019. Uh, not a ton of receptions, but a lot of big playability. Uh, nine touchdowns. He runs a 4-4-3-40 at nearly 6-4. Uh, this has pushed him up into my uh, top you know, 11 here because of that. He's got a huge body. He does a good job at the catch point. This is a guy that, you know, he's he's going to have an opportunity to make a, a ton of plays in the NFL. And I think that he needs some more coaching. He needs a little time to develop. But I, I do definitely think that this is a guy worth taking and, and probably like a third-round pick here, if you ask me. I, I think there's an opportunity for him in the NFL. And their big-bodied receivers are needed at times. And uh, you need somebody that can go up and get a jump ball. He can do it for you. You know, his, his vertical is 34 and a half, which is pretty good for a guy that's 6'4 with long arms, um, a big old 76 and 78 wingspan for a, a wide receiver. So um, 10 and a quarter inch hands, he catches almost everything that comes his way. So um, I like Simi Fajoko at 11. All right. My 11 is Thailand Wallace. Uh, Wallace is out of Oklahoma State. Um, if you got to watch some Oklahoma State football the last couple of years, you, you, you know him. Um, very good down the field, very good at jump balls, um, very competitive. He did solid in his um, combine or his pro day, a 4.48, 40, and 33-inch vertical. Nothing eye-popping, but just a solid all-around wide receiver at, at Oklahoma State for a couple of years. 5'11", 194. Um, not a small some of these guys on my list upcoming, but... Uh, still a little small side. And then this is where I at wait, is this my ten? Yes, at, at ten here I have Diami Diami Brown out of North Carolina for a lot of the same stuff. Um fast. Um going to um he had great production in college. He's a guy who had a thousand yards receiving in back to back years at North Carolina. Um the, the interesting thing will be to see when he gets to the pros, what kind of routes they ask him to run. At, at 6'1", 185, he kind of has the ability to maybe flex out, maybe be in the slot, um, be able to see a little bit of everything from him and see what uh, he does well. Very good. Um, next up for me is going to be Nico Collins, uh, wide receiver from Michigan, another 6'4 guy. He is a true 6'4", 215, uh, big wingspan. Uh, 37 and a half inch vertical, uh, ran the 40 and 4.45. I think that this is a guy who he's not like he doesn't have that quickness that you and again kind of expected with a 6.4 guy, right? Can he use his height and size and athletic ability and um, continue to find? You know, my comparison to him is Devonte Parker. Um, find a way to win balls. Um, in tighter coverage because I don't think he's going to get a ton of separation. Uh, he's got to trust his route running ability and his athleticism to win that. He doesn't because he doesn't have that quickness to make the quick break. Um, so Nico Collins at number 10 for me. At number 9, I have Amari Rogers from Clemson, 5'9", 212 pounds, runs a 4'5", 40. Um, but this is a guy, uh, I, I like him playing slot at the next level. I think he's a guy that can... Uh, catch the ball in the slot, run that those tough crossers. He's tough and physical and will have the ability to break tackles. Um, he's uh, 
that's the thing. His 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 rack ability, you know, his his um, ability to catch the ball and uh, make plays after he gets the ball in his hands is what put him in the top ten for me. And uh, I think that he's another guy that has a role in the NFL. Not necessarily like a, a second round pick, but I think I think I would pick him in the third round. Number nine, I have Elijah Moore from Old Miss, uh, junior, five nine, hundred seventy eight pounds, ran a four three five forty with a thirty six inch vertical. Um, this is going to be another one who's probably destined for the slot in the NFL, but another person that uh, a two percent drop rate in college, which is great, um, amazing after the catch making a lot of plays there, um, may even uh, return some kicks in the NFL based on his speed and ability to kind of break tackles. So Elijah Moore at 9, and then at 8, I have Dwayne Eskridge, um, senior at Redshirt, senior out of Western Michigan, another one in the smaller size, 5'9", 190, uh, 4'3", 40. And uh, Dwayne's fun to watch. His uh, He's great. He's fast. Um, he was able to run a lot of different routes uh, in his college career. Uh, one of the other things that is notable is his uh, run blocking. Um, as you're watching him at Western Michigan, it, it shows up time and time again as he's taking people to the ground and uh, seems to enjoy that part of the physicality of the game. Um, he has a chance to be a very good slot receiver. I think he's a little bigger at 5'9 than a lot of these guys we're talking about. A lot of them are 175, 180. He's he's up there at 190, so he might be a little bit more durable in the middle there, um, but still has that speed and ability to break free. All right, um, number eight for me. Uh, this is where I have Kadarius Tony. Um, Kadarius Tony's been pushed down my board a little bit because um, there are some concerns about him. First, let's talk about him as a player. Um, he's not really. NFL ready to play receiver every down at this point in time. He's going to be learning the position. He's going to need time. He, he is a, an absolute, um, you know, get it in his hands kind of explosive player that you're going to see at the next level, right? 4, 3, 7, 40, 39 and a half inch vertical, you know, just explosive speed and athleticism. Um, concerns uh, about Kadarius Toney. Uh, first of all, he has had a little bit of injury trouble. Um, he's not a great route runner at this time, and he's had some off-field stuff. Uh, suspended in 2018 for the season oper opener after he had a uh, confrontation with with the locals. Uh, where he, the locals. Where he painted an airsoft gun to look like an AR-15. Not, not the greatest idea. No. And then, later on, that same year, he was pulled over and found in possession of a real AR-15. Yeah, No charges were filed, but definitely something that's going to be on the radar of NFL teams. What number do you have him at? I have him at number eight. I have him as my number seven, so yeah. I'll just chip in with my little thing on him. Yeah. yeah, he's got a lot of talent. I think when you have some of the off-the-field things, I actually I was telling Kevin this before like a month ago. I heard some people saying that they're not even sure if he'd rather be a rapper or a yeah, young Joker. Yeah, he's got a, he's got an album out and all this. So, um, the I, NFL teams are wary of these situations yeah. more more than ever. So he may drop a lot, like it or not. I mean, you know, they are much more. They scrutinize these situations much more than the average fan would. Than than yeah. you know, even the media does. They, I mean, they dig deep. 
on what's going on with these guys it's and whether an they care. It's a major yeah. investment. The, if they were to attach dollar values to what these draft picks mean, we're talking millions of dollars per, per pick here. Yeah. So it's an investment. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Next, <laughs> next up for me is uh, Rashad Bateman at number seven. Um, Bateman is just a tick over six feet tall, 190 pounds. I was higher on Rashad Bateman before the 2020 season than I was this yeah. year. Um, he, he made all kinds of big plays in 2019, 20 yards per catch, 11 touchdowns. Uh, just looked like a great player. 4'4", 140, 36-inch vertical. Um, Bateman, he doesn't have that like explosive quickness out of his cuts, um, but he's just very productive, very understands what he's doing, um, finds a way to be successful, and he's got good size and, and athleticism overall. Yeah. Um, and and I, I do I like his route running ability. So those things are, are going to get him an opportunity to start early on in his career. Um, I just wish I wouldn't have seen the drop in production and then opting out. I hated the midseason opt out guys. That bothered me uh, when, when people were doing that. Um, the season wasn't going the way he wanted it to. Five games in, he's I'm out. You know I'm not going to play the last yeah. game. I'm not going to look for you know any further performance here. So Rashad Bateman. At seven. At my seven, like I said, I have Kadarius Tony. Um, no real reason to hash that up. One second. Goodness. Lord almighty. All right. We're back. I'm glad I'm fully vaccinated. <laughs> Number six, Rondale Moore. Um, this is an interesting guy. Fast. Yeah, I had him down a lot compared to you. That's one yeah. That's one of our big differences there. He's fast. Um Real fast, Purdue five seven one eighty. I think out of the guys that I think are strictly slot receivers, this one's the most intriguing, exciting. So at five seven, hundred eight pounds, he ran a four two nine forty and a forty three inch vertical. What was his drop rate in, in his senior year at Purdue? Zero. Zero. Um, amazing after the catch. Doesn't drop the ball. Fast. Athletic is all get out. Um, one problem, had some injuries in college. Um, nothing too serious that would be like a red flag, but there were a lot of little nagging things. Those people who have that tend to continue that. But I have him at six. I think he's the best of the slot receivers, which there are a ton of. Uh, at six for me is a guy that I've been higher on than everyone uh, throughout this in entire process, um, Dwayne Eskridge. Um, I've, I watched a ton of Mac football, and uh, after reading everything, watching film, seeing what he does, he offers everything you want as a receiver, as a player on your team. Uh, they were talking about how excited and energetic he is on the field, uh, rooting for his teammates. He acts as a gunner on the punt plays and lays people out. Yeah. He, is, he is a do-everything wide receiver that has the ability to get very good at the next level. Uh, averaged 23.1 yards per reception this year, 20.4 yards per reception in 2018. He only played uh, four games in 2019, redshirted due to injury. But he also learned to play cornerback because his team needed cornerback help. Yeah. This is a guy who's playing both sides of the ball and excelled at receiver. I saw explosive plays when he would catch it. And, you know, he, he, he needs polish, right? Because he was coached in the MAC. He doesn't have uh, everything figured out yet. 
I'm telling you, this guy is going to explode. He's my favorite, like, you should have drafted this guy earlier pick in, in this draft. I think that a lot of teams are going to regret not taking him in the early second round or maybe even the bottom of the first round. I'm a big fan of Dwayne Eskridge. And uh, number five for me, I have Elijah Moore. Uh, Elijah Moore, 5'9", 178 from Ole Miss. He ran a 4.3540, 36-inch vertical. He is uh, really athletic and productive. 86 catches. I mean, it, they, they got the ball in his hand. 86 catches in eight games, by the way. Eight, he's averaged over 10 catches per game, 1,193 yards, 16 career touchdowns. His productivity is, is really good. Um, he, he needs to – another guy who needs to, like, tighten up his route tree and get a little bit better there. Um, you know, it, they, they talk about his blocking. <laughs> what do you expect out of a 5'9", 178-pound receiver, though? You know, that's not what his – that's not what he's going to do best. He certainly just needs to show the effort there. Um, but, you know, he, he looks like he understands what's going on. And I think they can use him in a lot of ways. I think he can play out wide. I think he can play in the slot. So I like Elijah Moore at five. At five, I have Terrace Marshall Jr. out of LSU. Um, 6'2", 200-ish pounds. I ran a 4'4", 39-inch vertical. Uh, a couple things to like about him. Um, very good at contestant catches. However, with that comes another problem. He does have some of the, the easy drops. Sometimes, you know, a ball right on him, he picks his head up, starts to look. Um, but I like a lot of what he has to offer. His size, I, I, to me, he's the best in this of the size wide receivers of, of this draft. So 6'2", 200 pounds with that 4'4 speed. Um, and a 39-inch vertical. Yes. I have him at 4, so I'm just going to jump in here. and you know. 5'4", let's go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's one of those things like if you get him in the right situation and the right coaching, uh, he could take off to be something very special. So, And then eking him out for four, I have Rashad Bateman. Um, uh, junior out of Minnesota, 6 feet, 190. Another one ran a 4.3940, 36-inch vertical. I think the biggest thing, um, he's very similar to, to um, Marshall in here that both have some of the easy drops. Like They both make these crazy catches, but then sometimes they make the, the, the silliest drops. Concentration that, drops. Yes. Um so we'll definitely see how that turns out. But this is, this is a guy who played in the slot is a lot in the senior year, played um, the X, true X, his junior year. So he's got multiple routes. He's layered. I really think he's going to be more prepared for the NFL than Marshall. So that's what bumps him up ahead of me. But both very solid wide receiver prospects for me. Probably probably both of these guys should be in the first round, the, the middle to the end of the first round. Yeah. So um, Terrace Marshall for me was uh, number four. Um, all the things you mentioned, 6'2", 205, has the good physical build, has the ability to make catches. I, I really like him here. I think that, uh, you know, again, the, out of the size receivers, I think he makes the most sense. And um, I'm, I'm a big fan of some of the stuff that he's been able to do and, and had some productivity even with, you know, down quarterback play this year with the loss of Burrow. So his productivity was still pretty good. Um, number three for me is Jalen Waddell. Um, we're in the big three now here. And uh, Jalen Waddell is a speed, explosive, separation animal. He gets open. He catches the ball. He scores. He catches the ball at the line of scrimmage, makes people miss, and goes to the house. 
yeah. he he is a big play waiting to happen. Um, a lot of people have made the Tyreek Hill comp. I don't think that's fair to Jalen Waddle to do that. Um, but you know, I, I think that he is going to be an explosive playmaker at the next level, and uh, I think he could be valuable on any team in the NFL, and that raises his stock a whole lot. So I, I like Jalen Waddle there at three, um, and I'll wait to do two and one. Since okay. Well, I have three right now, and I actually have Devonta Smith at three. Um, the two Alabama guys going head-to-head here for the, the top of this heap. I like Smith. I like 6'1", 175. Um, Devonta Smith made some amazing catches while he was in college, and I think that's one of his strengths is just uh, he catches everything. He, he's able to get up and get balls. He's able to, to do that. I think one of the things that's going to be a knock for me on both Smith and Waddle is these guys were just constantly wide open in, in college. A lot of it, you know, on them for being fast and running wide open routes, but a lot of it's this just the uh, ability of them to scheme people open at Alabama. Um, will he be able to be this open in the NFL? Obviously not. Will he be able to make more of the contested catches? I mean, that remains to be seen, um, so we'll, we'll see how that turns out for him. Um, I would not bet against him uh, as far as that goes, but smooth, fast, catches everything. And number two for you? Two is where I have Jalen Waddell. Yeah. Um, he's he's so quick. Uh, not just fast, but quick. His cuts are quick. I think that's what, to me, puts him above Smith. If I had to bet on which one would be able to get wide open on their own time in and time again, I would put it on Waddle. I think he's just so much faster in and out of breaks. It's It's – kind of crazy sometimes watching him do if he see if you see him do a double move uh he's got cornerbacks head spinning yeah so at number two for me is jamar chase uh jamar chase amongst many people is the number one receiver on the board here um he you know he's got great acceleration uh great ability physical with at the point uh six foot 201 uh, runs a four three four forty forty one inch vertical. He's got all. He checks all the boxes, right? Yeah. He breaks tackles. Um, you know, he he's everything that you're looking for. Um, he opted out this year, uh, but in two thousand nineteen, eighty four catches for seventeen hundred eighty yards and twenty touchdowns, set the single season SEC records for receiving yards and touchdown catches in two thousand nineteen. Um, won the Bolitnikoff Award, unanimous All-American. You can just go on and on about this guy. Yeah. Um, his his route running is okay, but his physical ability is what wins him the ball. Yeah. Um, that's elite. So, I mean, I, I love what Jamar Chase brings, and this was a, a, a tough decision for me to make at the one and two spot. But I, I, I think one, two, and three are all, yeah. you know, what, what flavor of ice cream do you like more? Yeah. And the reason that I have Devontae Smith at one is, I mean, 1,856 yards, 23 touchdowns, unanimous first-team All-American, SEC Offensive Player of the Year, um, Bolitnikoff Award, Heisman Trophy, right, all that stuff. The knock on him is his size. Is he going to be able to beat guys at the line of scrimmage and try to press him? Watch his film against J.C. Horn, who's the best press corner in this draft, and he roasts him at the line of scrimmage consistently. He has the ability to make – his footwork at the line of scrimmage, his sudden burst. He doesn't have the same top-end speed that uh, Jamar Chase has, 
but I think he's more natural at finding open spots on the field, uh, creating separation with his route running and his footwork. I'm telling you, his feet are incredible, and uh, he catches everything. He is he doesn't drop the ball. He is impossible to deal with uh, so far in in his yeah. college career. We'll see what the best corners can do with him if he can still create that type of separation. He's not gonna you're not gonna need to shade him over top with a safety because he's not gonna just run by you. That's not his game. His game is creating separation with in cuts, out cuts, posts, uh, you know, comeback routes, everything. He he's gonna find a way. He runs slants. He does everything that you want. And uh, he is a willing blocker as a wide receiver as well. His blocking is incredible for a 170-pound guy. So Devontae Smith at number one for me. Yeah, and I have Jamar Chase at number one. I think the thing that separated um, him from the other two for me is the combination of the athleticism and size. Uh, he's bigger, uh, 4'3", 40, a 41-inch vertical. Um, everything athletically you can imagine – his last season at LSU was just insane. Um, put everything on tape you want to see. So uh, get him in, get him into your camp, get him to do some route running, and you are going to have a Pro Bowl wide receiver. Um, and I think, like I was telling, just said a few minutes ago, I think you could say the same with all top, all, to, all of the top three of these guys: Waddle, Devonta Smith. They're all very, very good, and have all three of them have the ability. I think last year we had the big three as well at the wide receiver, and it kind of sorted itself out and. We'll see in a couple of years which one wins out, but I think it's a lot of this depends on where they go, right? What? Yeah, get a good fit, you know, get land, a good fit. land in the right spot, get a place that throws the ball well. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that's going to depend. I mean, do the do the Bengals want to reunite Jamar Chase I'm with sure Joe Burrow? Would. I mean, the other thing is they need to protect him, and their offensive line's a disaster. Yeah. So there's Panay Sewell sitting right there. They have enough wide receivers in Cincinnati. Yeah, it's not that issue. Um, but that would be a great landing spot for him, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, could you imagine, you know, putting him in the offense in Atlanta if they decided to mix it up, right? Julio Jones is coming towards the end of his career. Why not add Jamar Chase with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones for a couple of years? Um, you know, Miami is certainly a landing spot. If he's on the board and Kyle Pitts is gone, I think yeah. Jamar Chase is the pick. Um I, I, as much as I love Devontae Smith, I don't think that the Dolphins are as high on him as they are on Jamar Chase. Yeah. Um, you know, so there are going to be opportunities for him somewhere here. He's going to forge his own way, but if he gets in the right spot, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you put Devontae Smith on a team with, uh, you know, it, let's see, who would be a, who would be a good fit for him? Um, you know, what about the Washington football team, right? Let's say, you know, Washington football team lands Devontae Smith somehow. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing the ball. You got Antonio Gibson in the backfield and Terry McLaurin there. They're they're really good fits for these guys. Just get in the right situation. Do they put? Uh, does Jalen Waddle go to the Eagles and have Jalen Hurts throwing him the deep ball? No, but there's uh, there's <laughs> it's going to be really fun to watch the wide receiver class come off the board. Yeah, I mean I think that's that's what makes the draft a lot of fun, right? You you, you watch these guys, you get excited about them, and then you see where they go, and some of them. You're just gonna love where they go, and 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 sky's the limit. And then some of them are back. Whoa, woof, tough break, kid. Tough break. Yeah. Sorry, Sam Darnold. You got to go to the Jets. You know. Yeah. 
All right, guys, that's going to wrap the episode today. We've already talked a little bit about what we're going to see next week. Uh, great UFC episode. We're going to talk corners and safeties. Corners and for safeties. For our last positional group, I think, of the season. Last one. And uh, then uh, we'll be preparing our big boards after that. Um, we really should consider putting together big boards as uh, a finishing por- portion of the episode next week. It's already on here. So. April 28th, our final draft preview, and we're dropping our draft boards, our big boards, on the, the, le- on the website. Yeah, Beautiful. It's almost like we planned this out. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, it's been a lot of fun this episode. Uh, you know, who am I and all that stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, us getting to brag a little bit about our master success. Let's get another winner at the Heritage this weekend. Let's do what it. Do you say? We got some good shots. All right, guys. We'll catch you next week. See you.